0: This is Rachel McElroy.
1: Hello, this is Griffin McElroy.
0: And this is wonderful.
1: Welcome to the show. Welcome to the rodeo, people. Hang on for the ride of your life.
0: <laughs> people do describe our podcast as a thrill ride.
1: As a thrill ride rodeo where you're the rodeo cow person and riding on the back of the biggest bucking bronco. And that's me and Rachel Coming at you fast and angry with our yeehaw goofs and yeehaw folks. Uh, but, but saddle up your horses. We got a trail to blaze. Mm-hmm. That is, a, I believe, the opening lyrics to a Stephen Curtis Chapman song. <laughs> and this is something that you and me just cannot vibe on. Uh,
0: sadly, no. That's a hundred percent true. Can, can I say one more thing, though?
1: Yeah. Is it rodeo related? Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, get along. Get along, little doggies. Yeah, sure. I mean, the "Hey, dude" theme song I think provided that's a lot fair. of us with a lot of sort of rodeo vernacular that we could use to impress <laughs> our friends and family. This is wonderful It's a show, we talk about things we like, things that are good, things that we're into. And um, do you want to maybe kick things off with us? With a, you want to kick things off with us for a small wonder? Ooh, yeah.
0: Okay. okay, that's a that's a way to get into it.
1: I guess so. There's there were a lot of there's some particle confusion there.
0: This this may be a little blue.
1: Oh shit.
0: Yesterday I was on a walk uh with our son. Yeah. And Griffin was driving up and when we got to the house. Yeah. He told me he recognized me from the back. Yeah, I did. <laughs> and I just kind of loved that.
1: <laughs> well, it was true. And then, you know, I uh, I know your body. <laughs> you were also wearing a baby carrier. Yeah.
0: Which, That's a tip off.
1: Which, is a t- which was a bit of a tip and off.
0: And like my hair and my pants. I mean, I was not in disguise. One no, might
1: say. no. I mean, you do sometimes like to cosplay when you go on walks. <laughs> Um, like but, Dr. Mario. Uh, and
0: that Pikachu costume.
1: That, that Pikachu costume that suggested to a lot of my Instagram <laughs> followers that we have a very particular kink.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, I just, I don't know. It just made me happy.
1: That's nice. That yeah. is nice. Uh, laser tag. Wow. Yeah.
0: Are you squinting because you're not sure if you've said this before?
1: Yeah. <laughs> It's neat, man.
0: Yeah, it is. It's
1: the most sort of laser exposure I'll probably have in in my lifetime. And what a fun way to play with lasers. We've certainly talked about laser tag before. Uh... I'm 100% sure of it.
0: Yeah, but it probably wasn't a small wonder. You probably did a whole feature on probably it. I
1: did a whole feature. I just want people to know, Up to quick update, still thinking about laser tag. <laughs>
0: I bet you are counting the days until Henry is old enough to participate in that activity.
1: In laser tag? Yeah. I, I think it'll be a while.
0: Yeah, I mean, that gear is pretty heavy.
1: Yeah, yeah. We also don't, like, play guns very much. That's uh, true. Even, you know cool guns like lasers
0: <laughs> we have made a lot of questionable decisions in our parenting oh christ yes uh but i do take it as a point of pride that henry does not have a lot of weapons here's
1: the thing the fort here's the thing gang the Fortnite toys are dope they're very well-made toys you just yeah. gotta sneak those little rifles and bazookas <laughs> and all that jazz out of the package where he's not looking and let him play with the very cool action figures that have hamburgers for heads are you kidding me? That is fun. Great toys. You go first this week. I do. I'm ready to receive your your joy and warmth.
0: <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so it's March.
1: It is March Madness, baby.
0: And it's also yeah the month of the woman.
1: It's Women's History Month, or just correct? Yeah, cool.
0: What else could What else could I mean well by just that? like women's
1: <laughs> Women's Month.
0: <laughs> women's Month.
1: Uh, so I wanted to bring a lady poet. Okay. Oh, it, you can't just backdoor. <laughs> you can't just sneak us into the back door of the poetry corner.
0: <laughs> uh, yes. Would you it like? like okay.
1: it's a, it's a poetry <laughs> corners. I in scrambled poems. Okay.
0: There we go. Sorry, I didn't mean to rush that. Well. I just wanted to lead first with the timeliness of my suggestion. Sure. And then I realized that I had kind of walked around the corner.
1: Mm-hmm. And now I want to
0: get back in it.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, my poet. Yeah. Nicole Seely.
1: Nicole Seely. New poet This Can I say something? And this is not a, a lie I feel like I recognize the name
0: Wow, huh
1: Maybe somebody shared did she, did she have a poem that went vi- viral in some way? Because I'm not pursuing poetry in my off time This is literally the extent of the poet exposure. It's
0: also possible she shares a name with somebody else
1: That's also possible I may be thinking of Seeley Posturepedic Mattresses <laughs> There you go <laughs>
0: Uh, so the reason I would be surprised if you knew her is Nicole Seeley's first full collection of poetry didn't come out until 2017. Okay. So this is not necessarily somebody you would have learned about in school.
1: Mm, probably not.
0: Because you were not in school in
1: 2017. In my defense, though, I think I learned about a sum total of two poets when I was in school. Uh, Robert Frost. Yeah. And one of the other big ones. I
0: mean, you talk a lot about E.E. E. Cummings. But yeah. Was that a, okay.
1: Two is an exaggeration. My, I definitely read some Maya Angelou and Robert Frost. Did I say him? Yeah, he definitely <laughs> did. <laughs> uh,
0: okay. So Nicole Seeley. she is a black woman poet living in Brooklyn, New York. Um, she is a visiting professor at Boston University and teaches at the MFA Writers Workshop. Uh, What's a
1: visiting te- teacher?
0: Visiting professors. This is interesting. This happens a lot with, like, writers. Uh, They are not, like, full-time faculty. They are brought in kind of on, like, a a fellowship or, you know, like, they are not committed to teaching there indefinitely. They're, like, brought in as, like, kind of a, I mean, for lack of a better word, showpiece for the institution of, like, look, look at this great writer we have. Don't you want to study here now?
1: I feel like Marshall had, I mean, it's probably... A common thing at schools as like a seminar series that you could take mm-hmm. as a class where it'd just be like this person's come to give this seminar series here at Marshall for one semester and then poof they're gone,
0: yeah uh so anyway she she teaches at the m f a writers workshop at n y u which is also the workshop that she attended when oh, she got her m f a that's great. I I did a lot of research for this because she's like a really cool, complicated poet. And I wanted to make sure that I didn't like undersell her. Okay. Uh, In the process, I found out about the Cave Canem Foundation, which is a nonprofit uh, that is committed to supporting African-American poets through fellowships, workshops and a national community she was the executive director there from 2017 to 2019. Okay. And so it, it it's it seems super cool. Basically it's like it's it's very accessible like localized workshops for African American writers who would potentially not have the opportunity to enter into those conversations otherwise.
1: And they provide like grants to to writers? Yeah,
0: yeah, fellowships. So like if if you wanted to participate in one of their workshops or, you know, just further your education through them. They they have that opportunity for That's you. That's great. Yeah. Um. She so she came to poetry. I mean, I don't want to say late uh, because she is a woman in her thirties. Uh, <laughs> I feel like every poet you talk
1: about is like she didn't. She was a carpenter until she was seventy-one, and then she released her first book of poetry yesterday.
0: I think what what is interesting, like there are a lot of people now who go straight from high school to college, straight from college to like an MFA program. And so they are entering that MFA program when they are 23, 24. Right. Um she worked a full-time job for almost 8 years and was writing a little bit but wasn't able to really finish or focus on it and at that point she decided to formally begin studying poetry at NYU. Uh which is obviously a super risky hard decision to make. Yeah. Um
1: it seems like a tough school to study like a, a demanding Poetry program.
0: Well, yeah. And also just the idea of leaving like a steady job yeah. to pursue a degree in poetry is like, I sure. mean, it's a big investment in yourself, but not necessarily your income. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I wanted to read a poem uh, from her book, Ordinary Beast, which came out in 2017.
1: That's a great name.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh That is called the first person who will live to be 150 years old has already been born.
1: That is some <laughs> Sufjan Stevens link <laughs> level stuff. I'm, I'm all about that.
0: Her her poems like really run the gamut of like, you know, like outwardly political. She did this great, like really cool series. Are, are you familiar with Erasure? It's where The you, band? No. <laughs> I try to discover- it's where you take a document.
1: Oh, sure. And
0: you eliminate some of the text, and kind of what remains is is a poem. Uh huh. So she took the Department of Justice 2015 report on the uh, Ferguson, Missouri incident. Yeah. Um, and erased elements of that report to kind of create poems and she took wow. chunks of that and did like so for example like the one i just showed you is pages one through four an excerpt from the ferguson report an erasure uh it's an incredible series but that's not what i'm going to read to you i'm going to read to you this poem that i just named the first person who will live to be 150 years old has already been born you think it's me oh yeah who, I mean, we're gonna have to make some changes.
1: <laughs> yeah, I do some pretty hard living.
0: I wouldn't say you participate in dangerous activities, but you I
1: certainly don't participate in healthy, healthful activities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I do a wordle every day, keeps my mind sharp. <laughs> Today's was bullshit, by the way. Did you oh, do it? I did. I got it, though. garbage.
0: I- I'm always happy when I get it.
1: Yeah. Okay, sorry.
0: Okay. Should I read the title again? No. <laughs> Okay, uh, and there is uh, an inscription here for Petra. Scientists say the average human life gets three months longer every year. By this math, death will be optional, like a tie or dessert or suffering. My mother asks whether I'd want to live forever. I'd get bored, I tell her. But, she says, there's so much to do meaning she believes there's much she hasn't done. Thirty years ago, she was the age I am now, but unlike me, too industrious to think about birds disappeared by rain. If only we had more time or enough money to be kept on ice until such a time science could bring us back. Of late, my mother has begun to think life short-lived. I'm too young to convince her otherwise. The one and only occasion I was in the same room as the Mona Lisa, it was encased in glass behind what I imagine were velvet ropes. There's far less between ourselves and oblivion, skin that often defeats its very purpose. Or maybe its purpose isn't protection at all, but rather to provide a place similar to a doctor's waiting room in which to sit until our names are called. Hold your questions until the end. Mother, measure my wide open arms we still have this much time to kill.
1: Wow. God, that last line is
0: I know. Isn't that lovely?
1: wild. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, that poem takes you some places. It huh? sure does. Yeah, it definitely does. <laughs> uh, one of the things that is another, well, I guess I should say another thing that is impressive to me about Nicole Seely is that she uses form a lot. So this idea that you know, like like a sonnet, for example. There are right. a set number of syllables and a set number of lines. Um, I am not honestly I am not learned enough to tell you what form that was in. Uh haiku. Oh <laughs> that's a long one.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, but she gave an interview to the Believer in twenty eighteen. You remember Believer? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Um is it and- not around anymore? I don't know. I mean, I didn't know it was still around in 2018, to be okay. honest. Um But she said, for me, form is a way into and out of most poems. Form lends itself to music, imagery, and associations that probably wouldn't occur otherwise. The challenge of getting from point A to point B in a fixed number of beats, or the challenge of rhyming one word with another and the poem still making poetic sense, for me, creates a heightened sense of imaginative urgency that informs interaction with my free verse poems. Uh, and then she goes on to say, uh, "That's how I imagine a poem like the one I just read. I'm not, I mean, I could read the title again, but yeah. I feel like it's pretty familiar at this point." Uh, she says, "That's how that one is able to leap from a conversation about getting older to the Mona Lisa. The associative quality of my work comes from working in form."
1: That was very. That was a ve- I, that poem was very good. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I know. That's why I picked it. <laughs> um, she she says. Uh, in another interview or no i think it was the believer interview she says uh she says her obsessions are love loss as well as the large and small violences that have shaped me um when asked kind of like what is it that you write about right uh and so yeah it was hard for me to find two poems that were particularly similar like i when i was looking through her poetry it was like everything was was very inventive and covered a lot of ideas and uh felt very like uniquely her mm-hmm. you know like once i had read enough of her poems it was very clear to me that like nobody else could have written them right uh and so yeah i just i wanted to share her i'm always excited to kind of share poems that are relatively new to publishing because i feel like hey you can get in at the ground floor yeah, i know yeah that <laughs> come was... over here come over here look inside my jacket pocket i've got a poem that you can't <laughs> find anywhere else <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 very exciting, and she is she is continually taking on new projects. Uh, in February, as in last month, uh, it was announced that she will write a debut essay collection, "Talking Out of Turn: Notes from the Field," which will quote interrogate the inherent biases, racism, and sexism deeply ingrained in the literary and arts world, and ultimately within all liberal institutions and American social political structures, while imagining an equation for justice.
1: Fuck yeah damn yeah (laughs) that's gonna be a big book just the the, the, all the words on it
0: yeah i it's it's the same publisher that published her first book so obviously they they have they have faith in her ability i'm wondering if her her poems the the ferguson report erasures kind of like motivated them to take take this idea seriously of course Um, but yeah exciting yeah exciting person exciting work uh, Nicole Seeley. keep it up get in there.
1: Can I steal you away yes
0: Griffin yeah you know it's a shame what Is that when you order uh, meals to be delivered to you they can only be for dinner That's
1: true because of the law but wait wait what's this coming across our desk The law is different now is <laughs> factor. Oh, we got trombone bobs here in the (laughs) studio today. And I want to read the first one. It's for Lulu and it's from Mish who says, Hey, Lulu, I still can't believe it's been eight and a half years from being dumb, anxious teens to slightly less dumb, but still anxious adults. I'm thankful every day that you're my partner and that I get to spend the rest of my life with you. I love you with all of my heart and soul. Uh, That's a very special, lovely message. And I think that going from a dumb, anxious young person to a dumb anxious slightly less dumb anxious adult is like the new circle of life yeah
0: it's funny when you look back and you're like oh I was so anxious then about totally different things yeah it's like the Mitch
1: (laughs) Hedberg joke where he's like I used to I used to do drugs I still do but I used to too (laughs) that's not actually what that is like but man that's a great joke hey do you want to read the next one
0: yes This message is for Amanda. It is from DeMond to my magnificent wife and best friend, Amanda. You are the sun. You are my moon. I am so happy to be with you and our beautiful children. I hope you pass your MAMO registry test and get even more letters after your name. Greatness follows you as well as my love and respect.
1: And as we all know, the MAMO registry test is the test you take. To prove that you know the most about woolly mammoths and other ancient pachyderms. And then what are
0: those uh, initials that you get after your name if you pass the mammoth test?
1: If you pass the, I mean, um, JPD, and that's the doctorate in Jurassic Park. They didn't have mammoths at Jurassic Park, did they?
0: And I think that that's a
1: huge oversight. It is. This is me as a little kid going to Jurassic Park like, yeah, there's T-Rexes and Velociraptors. But where's the woolly mammoths, guys? Because yeah. I just saw Ice Age, and that shit was funny.
0: Can I tell you, though, technology back then was not super great at anything woolly. So I imagine they like, backed away from it.
1: Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. The CGI people were like, good news, guys. We can make dinosaurs. And they're like, what about woolly mammoths? They're like, no, it has to be perfectly hairless, <laughs> sleek, beautiful beasts.
0: Um, hi, I'm looking for a movie. Oh, I gotcha. Uh, there's that new foreign film with the time travel. There's an amazing documentary about queer history on streaming. Have I told you about this classic where giant robots fight? Or there's that one that most critics hated, but
1: I thought was actually pretty good.
0: Ooh, I know. The one with the huge car chase, and then there's that scene where- (laughs) The the car car jumps jumps over over the submarine! submarine. Wow, who are you eclectic movie
1: experts? Well, I'm Evie Waddyway. I'm Drea Clark. And I'm Alonzo Duraldi. And together, we host the movie podcast Maximum. Film. New episodes every week on MaximumFun.org. And you actually just walked into our recording booth. Oh, weird. Sorry. I thought this was a video store. You seem like a lady with a lot of problems. Well, Manolo, we have a show to promote. It's called Dr. Game Show. It's a family-friendly podcast where listeners submit games and we play them with callers from around the world.
0: No, oh, sounds good. New episodes uh, happen every other Wednesday on MaximumFun.org.
1: It's a, it's a fast and loose oasis of absurd innocence and naivete. And are you writing
0: a poem? No, I'm just saying
1: things from my memory. And uh, it's a nice break from reality. <laughs> Is that, Are we allowed to say that?
0: I don't know. It sounds bad.
1: It comes with a 100% happiness guarantee. It does not.
0: <laughs> Come for the games and stay for the chaos.
1: I would like to tell you about my thing today. I'm curious what you call it. It's one of those things that like has many names. If you're at an arcade and you see uh, one of the... Things that has a claw that goes down to get prizes. Yeah. What do you call that? Claw machine. Claw machine. Okay. There's so many different ways of referring to these things, uh, including... Wait, a, can I guess? Yeah.
0: Grabby pincher.
1: No, uh, claw cranes <laughs> or skill cranes are Ooh, another... Skill I like cray. skill cranes a lot. <laughs>
0: Makes you feel really good about being able to do well. It
1: sure does. Uh, so last weekend, Henry and I visited a, a Dave & Buster's adjacent establishment.
0: Not in that it was next door to a Dave & Buster's. <laughs> no, but that it was sort
1: of, uh, it had Dave and Buster's-esque elements, which yes. is a, a huge, huge, huge arcade yes. place that we spent like three hours in and it kicked ass. That's unreal to best. me that you
0: spent that long there, by the way.
1: It's big, man. There's a lot of things to do there.
0: Well, yeah. And just the fact that our son can't really do anything for more than an hour, that says well, a lot. He
1: can, he, can, he can play crane games uh, <laughs> for sure. Uh, the the highlight for me was that for the first time in forever, like I won. Some stuff out of some claw machines. I
0: have never won
1: anything. You're a kidding claw me. Machine.
0: I mean, I will say that I probably spent maybe three dollars on a claw machine my entire life, okay. so that may suggest why I have not been more successful.
1: They are, and I'm going to get into sort of the dark math <laughs> that goes into those games. But like, you'll find some sometimes that are like, oh, this one actually is a this one actually works. At one, we stayed at some wintry resort thing for a church retreat, like a winter retreat one time, and there was a small arcade there, and the claw machine, for whatever reason, was tuned to the point where, like, the claw would close with an iron death grip around, like, would just squeeze every sort of thing that you closed it around, and we literally cleaned it out uh, (laughs) over the weekend. Like, (laughs) that's wild to me.
0: That is what has always been so discouraging about those machines for me is that i see the way that claw comes down yeah and it just like pets lightly like pets the item
1: again something Uh, that can be tuned yeah Yeah. and
0: it makes me think like oh nobody ever gets anything out of this
1: yeah that one was certainly tuned (laughs) incorrectly and the owners and operators of that arcade (laughs) almost certainly took a bath Uh, but again I'll, i'll get into that in a bit so claw machines are actually part of a subset of arcade games that like conceptually makes sense. I did not know they have a name though. They're called merchandisers. And they literally just show you merchandise that you can win with, you know, skill and luck. And also assuming the operator of the machine has not like made it like a complete ripoff. There's two main modes of interacting with a claw machine. And I knew this, but like one of them is very rare in the States, but is way more common in like the UK and Japan. And that's the two button uh, claw machine where you have one that affects the sort of X axis of the claw and one that affects the Y axis of the claw. And You can only press each one once before the claw just automatically goes down. It's hardcore, right? Yeah. It's very, very, very skill based. But here in the States, we, you know, we value our freedoms. And so we do the joystick one that you can move around to your heart's content as long Mm -hmm. as the time doesn't run out. And then you and then you drop it down. Um most of the prizes included in these machines obviously are stuffed toys yes. of some variety uh of course these days I feel like you see a lot more of like oh damn that's a Nintendo Switch in there there's some uh there's some <laughs> AirPods in there uh, although I learned that uh, like claw machine experts say like just don't even bother going for the ones that have boxes because like yeah. you can't grab a box with a claw. It doesn't, that makes
0: total sense to it me. It does.
1: It makes a lot of sense. Um. I also like the claw machine games where you get the little candy with the little backhoe thing that drops down and just like scoops them up. Oh yeah, that's fun. I do like that. It's never good candy. It's like here's a big here's the here are flavored tootsie rolls. Here's a lemon tootsie roll, kids. You like these, right? Oh, I do actually. I actually do love a lemon tootsie roll. (laughs) Uh, So okay, the secret of how these claw machines work is the operator is able to tweak certain parameters to ensure that they are getting a certain amount of payout per like prize value uh these days it's like just an app you have on your phone and you can uh, adjust these different parameters just to ensure that you are getting like if there's a toy in the machine that is worth five dollars you and you want to get like a profit of five dollars out of that you tweak these parameters so that the machine does not pay out until ten dollars has been spent in pursuit of those prizes yes yes wow it's gross uh but here's here's some of the parameters that you can change okay and some of these like if you've played a claw machine like you can probably suss out um claw strength which is like how hard the claw will clamp down on the thing and claw aperture which is like how wide the fingers of the claw most claw machines by the way are three fingered claw machines Uh um so the claw movement speed, either as a whole or an individual axis. So you have like that granular level of control over it. Uh, pick up strength, which is like how quickly the claw like lifts back up. Uh primary and secondary strength settings, not sure what that means. Toy teasing on payout based machines. When a toy teasing when toy teasing is enabled, the claw will pick up a yes. prize for a set amount of time before dropping it, giving the player the impression that they nearly won.
0: Yeah. Yes. Yuck. Yes. I have definitely seen that happen.
1: Yeah. So hearing that, you're probably thinking two things. The first of all is like, why are you talking this sounds gross? Why are you talking about this? Uh the second, I'll answer that later. The second thing is like, isn't this gambling? And the answer to that is, like, it depends on who you ask. Uh, Largely speaking, in the United States, claw machines are not governed by the same sort of statutes that govern, like, other gambling machines. Yeah. Um, Except in, like, certain places. So in Michigan, the value of the prizes has to be below a certain threshold uh okay. so i guess that they don't have the airpods as much i don't know michigan friends can maybe confirm that or deny that for me um and also like the machines have to be proven to be beatable like you have to show that that the machine can work but then like in a few places in canada they're straight up considered games of chance and are therefore like prohibited except in uh fairs and other sort of like specialty cases where you know I guess gambling is cool. Um, <laughs>
0: well, I think I think if it was at a fair, for example, like there are a lot of games of chance sure. at a fair. That's a good point. I think you would understand more like I am paying money for something I'm not. For nothing. Basically. I'm not <laughs> actually going to get. Uh,
1: in Japan, like these types of arcade machines are everywhere. Uh, yeah. Because it, like Japan is where these electronic claw machines, really came up. Uh, the first one was released in 1965 by Sega, uh, and it was called Skill Digga. Uh, <laughs> and it was followed by Super Skill Digga in 1968, which used dolls as prizes, mm-hmm. and that is what sort of began this symbiotic relationship between plush toy manufacturers and, uh, you know, skill claw game manufacturers that Mm -hmm. you know persists to this day the most popular uh like brand of claw games is called ufo catcher which has been around since like the 80s and what makes it distinct is one it's like pretty like cute aesthetic like especially most of the toys that are inside of it are in the sort of uh hello kitty uh sanrio like milieu Mm -hmm. uh but also the claw only has two fingers so it's like a pincer that goes oh. down and, and grabs stuff, which seems like way more difficult to me. Um, why do I like claw machines? Well, <laughs> I'm glad you asked. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I, if you know the inherent sort of like uh, manipulation that is that powers these bad boys, you can be a little bit more savvy about like, you know, when we were at this place, Henry saw like this claw machine with like these stuffed banana characters and he's like give me one of those and i was like okay and i used the claw and it went down and just very limply like <laughs> and i was like nope we're not doing that again that was a waste <laughs> of money he's like oh but then we went to one that had like a bunch of like um stuffed minecraft toys mm-hmm. and he was like uh, i want that creeper and i was like okay and i like got it in one and, won, and yeah. was like okay that's a good one although i do admit that i then spent more time <laughs> trying to get a little enderman out of there that didn't fucking come out because it was a anyway (laughs) it is a waste of money like almost all things at an arcade are but when you do manage to see the light in the child's eyes that you have impressed by grabbing a creeper out of the machine there was another one that was very small that had like little stuffed food toys in it like little like rubbery foam foods and i got a couple out of there and was like dad of the year and i felt so accomplished (laughs) um that's
0: a high stakes game you played
1: it is a high stakes game. Cuz
0: what if you'd left with nothing and he just would have thought about that forever, just like my father can't deliver.
1: Yeah. No, yeah. It's 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 uh <laughs> it's a con- it's it's certainly a concern of mine, but uh luckily I'm a 100% real gamer uh since birth and yeah. crushed it and Henry
0: does call Griffin King gamer sometimes.
1: He recognizes that I mean, the games he asks me to play with him for like help are not like, you know, they're <laughs> games that I can pretty confidently destroy. Listen to you. Destroy. I'm just saying like, <laughs> y- you know, I've been playing Elden Ring and just like, you know, grinding through boss after boss after boss. So when he's like, hey, can you help me with this plants versus zombies level? I'm like, <laughs> yes, I will teach you of my resource ladder that I build. With sunflowers upgraded to double-headed sunflowers. So anyway, I'm a cool man.
0: (laughs) That is, I mean, it should always be the takeaway when you listen to this podcast.
1: I should just end every episode with that reminder. (laughs) Thank you to Bowen and Augustus for the use of our theme song, Money Won't Pay. You can find a link to that in the episode description. Thank you to Maximum Fun for having us on the network, having a great time over here um, at Maximum Fun headquarters they got ping pong table in the break room and we have tournaments every tuesday we call it ping pong tuesday okay and it's a new month we got new merch over at uh we just announced that we're going on tour uh again uh for Bam, Bam, Bam and taz and we got a show in st louis that we talked about doing a live wonderful at so
0: yeah i mean can we can we say that'll happen yeah,
1: sure. We okay. can say, I mean, it's our podcast. We can say anything. <laughs> uh, you can find all that over at uh or the family. Oh, they um, both work? We have like nine different... I think okay. we own the gamut of all of those links, but you can get tickets and we sure do hope you come out and see us. There's like all kinds of... You got to have a mask on and you got to have your vax card or a uh, negative COVID test within 72 hours of the start time of the show. So like we're not... We're not fucking around, uh, and yeah. we're, we're excited to get get back out there and do the dang thing.
0: Uh, before we go, can I mention that the Cave Canem organization uh, is a nonprofit and does take donations? Of, of course. Uh, so it's cavecanempoets.org. Um I did make a donation after I found out about it because it seems super cool and yeah. super important and uh you know me I'm I'm all about those those literary nonprofits. Yeah. Uh so if you know if it sounds good to you check it out.
1: Yeah. Um that's it. We'll be back next week to tell you about more um more great stuff. <laughs>
0: You were saying like more bullshit? <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: no, it's great stuff. Uh, we the show we make is uh, we tell you like how else are you going to know about um, you know that jelly, jelly beans are good.
0: Yeah. Captain Crunch is an important historical figure.
1: He is a hero, a naval hero. Mm -hmm.
0: Different ways you can eat Spam.
1: Yeah. Uh, Cool astronauts who like to eat space sandwiches. Yeah. Um, (laughs) You know, that's just some of the highlights. But I think we're I think we should definitely get a MacArthur genius grant. I don't know who you talk to about that. Like, I don't know who MacArthur is.
0: Is there like a MacArthur Smart Grant? Like, can we? Oh, I see. Can like, we like a step down? I don't. I I rec. Hey, I recognize this is not a genius grant podcast. No, God no. But
1: it's smart. is smart enough.
0: Yeah.
1: They get. They should give us fifty dollars <laughs> just to go out for lunch.
0: <laughs> I would like that. Yeah,
1: I would like that too. Hit me up, MacArthur. Oh!